there is a God call on our lives. And uh, if you're one, as I've talked about, who would be an interested one, someone who has kind of been willing to take a seat and just take a look and ask the question, who is Christ? What's he about? There's a call. If you're one of those interested, John chapter 1, Jesus just invites you, check him out. Check him out. He would love for you to answer the question, am I who I said I was? Hey, if you are kind of, as I've talked about, uh, uh, the informed, in other words, you've come to a place where you've done just that. You've kind of taken a seat and they're like, yeah, this is the Messiah. This is God in the flesh. This is a savior. Uh, God's call on your life is to stake the ground, stake it and get after a journey with him. It's all about a journey. It's not about a golden ticket. It's about a journey. And um, it's about being transformed into someone for God. Now, you may be kind of uh, still at a place where you're saying, you know, transformed into what, Doug? I'm not sure if I'm still really understanding what this is even practically supposed to look like. I just want to say you're in good company because the scribe of Mark chapter 12 was thinking the same thing. In fact, turn there, Mark chapter 12 in your Bibles. Uh, We're not so much going to be reading it, but you can be observing Mark chapter 12. We've been kind of camping, if you will, in verses uh, 28 to 30 plus, and especially in verses 30 and 31. And here's this scribe, this lawyer, in the context, as we talked about last week, that uh, all these commandments are out there that they have made themselves. And here's this one guy, after all these really bad questions, finally comes along with a really good question. And basically it says, teacher, what's the greatest commandment? I'd kind of put it in other words, what's a Yahweh follower supposed to look like? What's a Yahweh follower supposed to be? There's a great question. And it's in this context where he's kind of saying, you know, out of the 613 laws that have been put into place by the leaders here in Israel. Oh, by the way, why 613? Because there were 613 Hebrew letters in the Ten Commandments. Listen, these 613 rules were not God's rules. This had become a game. This had become a legalistic, systematic, man-made structure of 613 rules. Can you imagine being at like 605 and you're kind of like, come on, you guys, we got to think of just a few more so we can get the match to the letters. It's like, what a joke. So then this guy comes with this great question and He's basically saying, God, I'm so confused because, uh, Jesus, can you just tell me what's God's thing? Because what God's, what's God's thing? I want that to be my thing. Can you just clear this all up? And so Jesus does. In fact, right there, I'm thinking of Matthew chapter 11, verses 29 and 30. In Matthew 11, 29 and 30 actually took place before Mark chapter 12. Uh, Jesus is talking with some folks who are burdened and life is heavy and all this kind of stuff going on. And, and, and he says to them, come to me, come after me. I love that. Hey, come, come. 
He says, come after me. Uh, in other words, take my yoke upon you. The yoke, that's what would, that harness that would go around an oxen and they would pull. Now, there's no question. There's effort. There's, there's work. There's some, if you will, some muscle and meat behind what's taking place. But he, then he goes on to say, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I'm gentle and humble and you will find rest for your souls in me. Uh, this is the best part. In there, he says, my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. Hey, do you ever think that like the Christian life, that loving God and loving others is like a massive burden, a massive task, just something that is just so heavy, it's just like crazy impossible to do? I want to let you know we're thinking wrong when we think that way. Here's the reality. Living the way the world talks about living, that's a stinking burden. That is a heavy weight. That is so loaded and so full and just like drowns you. You can't ever get there. And Jesus is like, I'm telling you, my burden is light in comparison to what you're used to. And so here Jesus in this 613 conversation says this. He answers and he says, you know what? The 613, in other words, in the context, he says, I'll tell you what. Let me just make it really simple. It's about two things. Just two. How many? Not 613, but how many? Love God, love others. That's it. It's kind of like, you say it that way. It sounds like no big deal. Hey, but that is it. A disciple of Jesus Christ is someone who is about loving God and loving others. That's it. Love God. Well, what's it look like to be a love God person? Well, we talked about that last week. Uh, but let me just remind us a couple things. John fourteen twenty one says, whoever has my commands and keeps them, he is the one who loves me. She is the one who loves me. Second John verse six says, and this is love that we walk according to his commands. What does it look like to love God? It's really simply this. Whatever's God thing, whatever God's thing is, I want to be about that thing. Whatever God's thing is, I want to be all about that thing. I want to walk according to how he calls me to walk. I want to be that. God, what are you? I want to be that for you. Let me put it this way. To love God is all of me is all about being all about him. All of me is all about being all about him. That's Mark chapter 12, verse 30. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your all. In fact, let's just say it. It's kind of a a fun game, my tongue twister. Ready? Here we go. All. Keep going. Okay, let's. that sounded pretty uh, bad. So let's do one more shot at that. Ready? I'll get you started. Here we go. All. Hmm. What God asked me to do, I want to do that. What God asked me to be, I want to be that. 
That, that, that's what I'm trying to almost illustrate for you here. What's going on? God, whatever you want me to do, whatever you want me to be, I'm in. Because that rocks. That is so cool. I get to be and I get to do that. Oh, by the way, your burden is light compared to what else is out there. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. But notice this, verse 30, as you look at Mark chapter 12, verse 30 is tied to verse 31. Verse 30 is tied to verse 31. What's 31 say? In fact, you tell me. Ready? Go. Love it. Different translations being spoken at the same time. That's awesome. Here's the point. Verse 31 is directly attached to verse 30. These go together. Verse 31 is not an optional upgrade. That's not just for the A plus students. It's not a if I want to. It's you shall. This is literally in an emphatic command statement. No, no, no. You shall love God and you shall love others because that's my thing. Do you want to be about my thing? Then be about those two things. It's not if I feel like it, it's not when it's convenient, and it's not if and when that's my thing. Listen, loving God is loving others, and loving others is loving God. And if I'm not a person who loves others, how does the equation carry out? Seriously, friends, this is so important that, in other words, if you and I and if we are not a loving others kind of people in place, we're not loving God. That's the reality. Heavy duty. And so I'm going to continue that with a straight up statement. Here we go. As your pastor, I love you guys. <laughs> Is that like your dad when you're younger? Straight up statement. Harvest, um, we've got a long way to go in being a loving others place. We've got a long way to go to being the kind of loving God and loving others place. In other words, we've got a long way to go to be a going vertical together place. Now, Pastor Grumpy, um, uh, let me put this out. There are so many God things that are going on. I just want to note some. There has been an amazing three years of altogether teamwork. It's just astounding. I cannot tell you as I go and I talk with other pastors and other churches, harvest churches, other kinds of churches in their beginning years, some of the conflict that's going on out there. I'm going to tell you seriously, behind the scenes, I have almost zero of that. There's been an amazing teamwork, just an amazing heart attitude here. I'm so blessed and we're so blessed. We're seeing people grow in Christ. We're seeing people understanding what it means to be a life worshiper in a growing kind of a way. We're seeing people serving in ways they've never served before and doing it with a servant's heart. We're seeing uh, people with just a hunger for the word. I'm just astounded by the fact that we have a place where people really want to hear the word of God. You really do, don't you? I, I mean, sometimes I'm like, slap me silly. Are you kidding? I get to be with people who love the word of God. It's wonderful. 
just uh, we, we've seen growth. We've seen uh, numerically. We've seen lives changing. We've seen, uh, as my wife said, my wife said a couple of weeks ago, she says, Doug, I don't know what it is, but I just feel like we're on a precipice of something really great. I just got to say, praise the Lord. God's doing some work. He's doing work. And I rejoice in that. Yet, when I consider God's call here to love others like he loved others, that's what we have to compare to. And I'm telling you, everyone in this room, and most certainly including me, we have some growth in this area, don't we? Why is that? Well, I want to talk about some here, some excuses and some other things. But first, I want to kind of enjoy a little bit of uh, talking about some of our culture. American culture is a unique world, and I love being here. I'm honored to be able to have been born here, to live here, and to have God's blessing in this place for so long. And and yet, in the, our unique culture has some uniquenesses about it that I think actually makes it harder for us to be loving others kind of people. Let me note three. Okay, you ready? Number one, we love me. Now, everybody all over the world does. Uh, but we really love me. Um, in fact, I want to show you an example of, I've linked here three songs. Uh, they, some of them are re- somewhat recent. Some are a little bit older um three songs you're three of some of the biggest selling songs in our country and listen to these listen to the theology oh yeah Everybody give yourself a hug. Boy, ladies, don't you wish you had her voice? Oh. Oh. I am my hero. And you're your hero. Okay, now here we're talking. It's my Yes, I do have this on my iPod. But look, look at the words for a minute. I'm telling you, just change a few words, we'd be singing it on Sunday. Here's the, re- but it's not my life. Oh, I got to do it my way. Everybody? <laughs> now, whose life? As a follower of Christ, Christ is saying it's not your life, it's his life. Listen, our culture is enamored with the reality of loving me, and it's within us. I mean, that's just what sin is. I just love me, and you love you. And we live in a world, listen, where just in our culture that helps that along. Listen, I want for everybody to know, you deserve total happiness without any pain ever and a Lexus whenever you want it. That's basically what our culture says. It's a love of me. 
Secondly, I'm going to go with love of protectionism. Love of protectionism. Uh, we are an independent country and, and we love to protect ourselves, compartmentalize ourselves. Uh, we were down at the uh, Indianapolis uh, Art Museum and they were playing on the wall in one of the rooms this uh, video here. And uh, Paul, go ahead and get her started for us. Uh, this is absolutely delightful. I was just mesmerized by this for like 20 minutes. Here's uh, 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 Lily McElroy. And a comedian who she, see on the floor, she marked chalked a box. And it's like, don't get in my box, dude. Look at that. I love this. Here she is, protecting her, protecting her space. It's my space. Uh, 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 Here it's coming. No, 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 no. Isn't that great? I mean, this literally went for a half an hour. She's just there. And I'll tell you, this is so us, though, isn't it? Don't get in my space. Why? Because you might hurt me. Hey, we live in a culture where it's love of me. And I think back to those songs and I just go, then why did Jesus need to die on the cross if that's the case? If I'm the greatest love, if I'm my own hero and it's my life, what was Jesus doing? And then here, it's this thing of this whole protect me, uh, compartmentalize. I don't want to be hurt from you. Third, we love logistics. I'll tell you, as in my former uh, business life and having the chance to travel around the country, around the world in various places and coming to realize people think different. We love outlines. Eastern world doesn't think in outline format, but watch this commercial. We love logistics. Logistics makes the world work better. When it's planes in the sky for a chain of supply, that's logistics. Oh, yeah. When the parts for the line come precisely on time, that's logistics. Continuous link that is always in sync. That's logistics. I like logistics. I do. Carbon footprint reduced. Bottom line gets a boost. I can spend a ton of time on logistics. I, I seriously, I can't. With new ways to and uh, let me say this though, I am so thrilled that there's places that do logistics like they do in shipping boxes. I mean, we just ordered something. You can go and you can click on it. You can find out exactly where it is. I love that. But listen to me. People are not boxes. And we in our culture, and I'm talking about in the church, we have a tendency to logisticize church. You see, if we have a certain set of steps, and I'm not saying they're not helpful, but at times we put it all together in these programs and this and that and this and that. You know, I can't meet people until you have a program for that. We can't grow disciples in Christ until we have a certain class that makes that happen. Isn't that how we think? Isn't it? It really is. Now, let's think Christ just for a minute here. Love of me. Was Christ about love of himself? Oh, hmm. I don't think so. Was Christ about protectionism? Don't hurt me. Oh boy, no, I don't think that one hits there. 
was Christ about logistics. In other words, he had this series of sit-down times with the disciples, with the apostles, and preparing to help them to come to understand, listen, this is how things work. It's just a 12-step program, guys, and if you follow this, then everything will be honky-dory. No, I actually don't see any of that. Here's what I see. Jesus spending time with them. Wow, that's radical. You know what? In our world, it is. Life on life, side by side, loving others, not designing them to be cranked out of a mold. Well, for the next nine, ten Sundays, we're going to be spending on this loving people reality. Next Sunday, we're going to talk about loving the world. Sunday after that, we're going to talk about the biblical directive to love on the hurting and the poor and the widowed. After that, we're going to start going through the one and others of Scripture. We're not going to be able to hit all of them, but I'm going to pick key ones. Why? Because we need to grow in this area. Our culture is set so perfectly to be able to see what loving others like Christ loved others is. In other words, it's like just if we would get better and after this, it would be like shining a massive light in our world. How will people know if you are my disciples? If you love one another. Hey, friends, as we get after this, I want for us to understand that uh, I just personally, I think this is one of the greatest, and I mean that seriously, greatest needs in the Christian church today is a real understanding and a real understanding of what it looks like to be a people that love one another because we don't do a very good job of it. And so we're going to get after it. Now, you may be thinking, well, Doug, I remember, what was it, last Sunday, we spent one Sunday on loving God, and now we're talking about spending nine, ten Sundays on loving others. What's the deal with that? Hold the phone. Uh, let, me, let me note this. These last three years have strategically and purposely have been about the vertical. In fact, you can see on the screen here that these have been all the sermon series for the last um, three years. And purposely, on my behalf, it has been, I've been trying to have all of these going vertical. Why? Well, I want for us to catch the greatness of God, the goodness of God, the personalness of God, to literally fall in love with God. To understand what it looks like to follow him. For many, it's been a time of healing from stuff in your life. There's been, I've just been amazed at how many people have come here who have had ministry hurts and have just needed some time to kind of refresh and to re-understand God loves you and God is worth continuing to serve. For others, it's been a detox time. It's been a detox time of getting out of just doing church busyness. And just kind of doing, 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 doing. And man, we're such a simple church that it's kind of hard. We could be, I'm telling you, we could be a lot bigger right now if we would put in a few things in place, but on purpose we haven't. 
That's not the point to get bigger. The point is to get deeper, to go vertical together. And we've also just been waiting on the Lord. Big statement kind of in-house in our own logistics, if you will, and leadership is walk before we run. We're just letting God move, letting God work, giving him time. In fact, I can clarify that all this is the case because there's been a two-word statement that is just, uh, without my even planning it, stuck, sums it all up. And it's this. Big God. If you've been around here for a while, you've probably heard that statement. It's kind of since the very beginning, that statement is just, so these last three years have been about a big God and trying to grasp that better. So why get into a seriously all this amount of time on the loving others? Um, Simply, it's time. It's just time. By the way, how long was Jesus with the disciples before he gave them the Matthew 28, 19, and 20 call? Remember? Three years. How long have we been in existence now? Wow. That's kind of cool. Hey, it's time to get after some increased ministry reality. Okay? That's where we're going to be heading. So I want to lay a base work here right now on uh, just in a, our last uh, time together here this morning. I'm talking about why should I love others? Let's just lay a common theology basis, okay? You may be like, well, I do love others. Marvelous. You're going to be uh, reinvigorized. Is that a word? Um. And if not, we're going to set a foundation. First, I want to start with this. Five excuses. Five wrong ways to think about getting out of, or if you will, loving others. Five ways where I can uh, not love others or excuses that commonly come. Here's number one. Loving people like Jesus is talking about, it's a personality thing. It's a personality thing. In other words, loving others, that's for people, people. That's for those touchy-feely people. That's for extroverts. I'm a private person, and so I'm exempted. Hmm. I didn't see the footnotes in the Greek, seriously, in verse 31 on that one. Uh, another excuse is, second, it's a career thing. Yeah, that's for apostles. He was telling the apostles that. Uh, that's for pastors. That's for missionaries. That's for people in full-time ministry. Okay, that's interesting. Uh, number three, it's a situation thing. You see, it's it's before I have kids. <laughs> All of you having kids are like, you know what? I don't have time to love other people right now. I've been there. I love empty nester world. Have I ever said that before? But it's like, no, I can do this before kids or I can do it after kids or I can do it when my job or my career uh, or my workload settle down. Then this will become something that becomes a DNA in my life. I just got to get things calmed down, get the finances together. It's a situation thing. Fourth, it's a capability thing. You see, this is for people who have the connections, who have the certain skill sets. It's, I'm not capable because I've been hurt by people before. In fact, tragically so. Or I've tried and it's returned no good results or not the results I expected, listen, I'm not going to deny there are grand hurts out there. But we're going to be talking about this whole reality, folks. Listen, this is God's thing. Do you know that God can even use your hurts of life and his sovereignty to help other people in ways you don't even know about? 
lastly, kind of along with this, the fifth one, it's a too hard for me thing. The Bible even says, you know, it says to love my enemies. I can love the people I get along with. I can love the people I have obby interests with. But those kind of people that are like weird or mean, no. This is how radical this is. This is over the top. I just want to remind you, what God expects, God equips. What God expects, God equips. So which one of these are your excuse? Which one of these tends to be your excuse? Let me put it very bluntly this way. Which one of these tends to be your arena for disobedience to the Lord? I know what mine is. Seriously. How about for you? I realize right now I may be stepping on some toes. I may be causing some people some real uh, unsettledness, especially for those of you who are quieter, who are more private people. Uh, Listen, let me give you a comfort statement here. This is not about producing lemmings that all look the same. Well, just look around the room. (laughs) We have people here at different ages, different stages. We have people here who look differently. We have people here with different experiences. We have people who have grand mistakes in life. We have people here with grand faithfulness in life. We have tall, we have short, we have skilled, we have unskilled. We have educated, we have uneducated. We have all kinds of people here, and I love that. That's not the issue. It's not about producing lemons. It's certainly not about producing everybody to be like me. This is about producing people, transforming people by God's grace into being people that within your DNA, you are getting after loving God and loving others for real. Because here's the deal. We love ourselves. And in fact, in verse 31, where it says in there that love your neighbor as yourself, let me clear a theology point. That is not saying, let me clarify this. This is not saying, capital N, capital O, capital T, says not saying you need to love yourself before you can love other people. We got a plate a while ago that has this verse on the back where Mark chapter 12, verse 31 or 30 and 31. And it says, love God, love myself, love others. If Jesus were here and he heard me teaching that that verse is saying you need to love yourself before you can love other people. I'm telling you, he would be standing up and correcting that horrible theology right here. Because here's the reality. The problem is, is we love ourselves way too much. And what Jesus is really saying is, is in essence, if it was an expanded version, it's like, listen, you guys innately already love yourself like a bazillion ton amount. I do. Listen, if you would just begin to love other people like you just naturally, innately love yourself, you would begin to be about other people the way you partly are about yourself, we would be on target. You with me? This is not saying you need to love yourself before you love other people. This is saying a sovereign God's thing is that we love him and we love others. Let's get after it.
And whatever is in your past, whatever is in your present, God wants to use you to love others and shine the light. So here's five biblical reasons, five truths why we should love God. Let's just make sure we're all on the same page together. Number one, why should I love other people? Number one, because God the Father loves other people. John three sixteen, the field goal verse. You know what it says? Most of you do. For God what? It's great. That's one verse where there's like no translation. You know, it's like everybody knows that version of it. Listen, for God, who's who's it talking about? For God so what? God loved the world. Hey, please understand, this is not talking about the dirt world. This is not talking about the creation, if you will, itself in this verse. This is not talking about all the green spaces on the planet. This is talking about God loved people. Uh, God so loved the world that he gave his what? His son, that means this is talking about God the Father. God the Father loves people. You can go to Psalm 136 on another time here. Uh, got down in your notes there, but take a look. The latter half of it basically is a responsive reading, and it's telling about how God has just been in his sovereignty, been involved in, in loving people. It's about people, people, people. God loves people. Second, I'm to be a loving person because God the Spirit loves people. Everybody turn to Romans chapter 5. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Romans chapter 5. Let me start with verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Verse 2. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into the grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings. Uh, What? Uh, Another sermon, another time. Rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out. Uh, by the way, that word there isn't just talking about God like poured enough and we've got little Dixie cups and he's like, okay, here's some Kool-Aid for you and here's some Kool-Aid for you. That's not what this word is talking about. It's like this. God, here's my Dixie cup and God's got this drum and he goes, Boom! And that Dixie cup is flattened. The word here is talking about an overflowing filling up. Isn't that cool? Listen, God the Father loves you. Overflowing and is willing to pour it out. But look at the rest. Poured out our hearts where? Through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Here, the Spirit is the channel, it is the means of, if you will. It's the the one applying the love of the Father. Uh, God loves us, and he, he wants to pour it out, and the Spirit of God is involved in, this, in the loving others' reality. Number three, I wonder what this one is. How about God the Son loves people? God the Son loves people. We're there in Romans. Take a right over to Romans chapter 8. Oh, some fantastic verses at the end of chapter 8. If you ever get discouraged, here you go. 
Romans chapter 8, verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Good question. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Verse 37. No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Ooh, yeah. Hey, how do we respond here in this? Listen, friends, God the Father, God the Spirit, God the Son loves exceedingly how shall we say this radically how do we respond number one rejoice no i said that wrong rejoice i mean my goodness friends seriously god loves you god the holy righteous perfect one the creator the one from all eternity past to all eternity future the godhead the throne conquering creator of everything loves totally depraved sinners like you and i yeah i'm loving that well we rejoice secondly how about this in light of the Godhead loving, how about we love? Let me put it this way. Would I be someone put on God's TV show called Hoarders? You know what I'm talking about? TV show called Hoarders? Would I be one put on that show as one that is hoarding God's love? All to me. All to me. It's all for me. It's all about me. Jesus died for me. Jesus is coming for me. It's all about me. 1 John 4, 11 and 12 says, Since God loved us, we also ought to love one another. Verse 16, So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God lives in him. God lives in her. Fourth, I'm to love people because his church is called to love people. Let's just go to two verses here. Keep your hand there in Romans and then go to the left of John. The book of John, chapter 13. We're going to come back here to Romans in just a second. John, chapter 13. Let me read verses 8 through 10. John chapter 13, verses 8 through 10. Do you see the heading at the top? Jesus washes the, washes the disciples' feet. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet, but also my hands and my head. I mean, if you're going to wash, let's do a shower. Verse 10, Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet but is completely clean and you are clean, but not every one of you. You know what? I've got the wrong verse 31. I'm like, where are we? Where is he going? 
eventually it gets good. On the topic, verse 31, when he had gone out, Jesus said, now is the son of man glorified. Jump down to verse 34. A new commandment I give to you that you what? (laughs) That's right. That you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. How does the world know what this whole Jesus Christ reality is? Look at your life. It should be a glowing beam to this dark world out of our love for one another. Of how spectacular relationship with Jesus Christ is. Let's just go to Romans 13 verses 8 through 10. See if I've got this one right. He's speaking about taxes here. In a conversation, verse 8, Oh, no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law, the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not covet. And any other commandment or are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. It's that big a deal, friends. It's not optional. It's not if I'm good at it. I'm to love people because God the Father loves people, because God the Spirit loves people, because God the Son loves the people, because God has called his church to love people. Paul is writing Romans to Christians in a Gentile world that's like us. And he's saying, love one another. And lastly, Simply, I'm to love other people because God has called me to love people. Not only does the Godhead love people, not only does, does the Godhead called his, Christ called his church to love people, but God has called me to love people. Mark chapter 12, verse 30. Mark chapter 12, verse 30. Listen. Love your neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. If we could just begin to love people with a portion of how I just love me, with a portion of just how you love you, you know what I'm talking about. If we would just begin to do that, could you imagine the transforming testimony of what would be happening? Hey, today is all about this. God's thing is that we love him. And God's thing is that we love others. Now, if you're at a place where it's like, but what does that look like? Excellent. That's where we're going. What does that look like? What does that look like? But first, if we haven't resolved in our head that God has called me to do that, I'm not going to pursue after being that. Well, let's prepare to pray. I just kind of, as we're taking some downtime here, I just, it's time to dial in on loving others. We know that we've got to be a loving God people, and it's time to dial in on loving other people. It's time. If you will, the phone's ringing, it's our call. And I just want to say, Harvest, as a church, it's time to buckle up. Because we're going to get after talking about what does it look like? How can we do this? And I want to say again, this isn't about producing lemmings. This is about producing people who really have an understanding of the call that God wants us to love them.
And God wants to love people. Listen, the person and persons right next to you are an opportunity to love God. Before you leave this place today, Have you resolved in your head that you need to grow as a loving others person? I'm telling you, I've had the hardest time these last two, three weeks. Because I have had just a mole in all of this for three weeks now and watch myself. I have been staggered in light of all of this at how I love me. It is amazing at times how in ways that seem like it's loving other people, the heart reality is actually I'm using them to get to where I want to see some things accomplished. I had a friend once say that oftentimes people, we can treat people like they're cars. They get us to where we want to go. That's not what it's about. I've just been staggered at How much growth I and let's just be frank, all of us need to grow in this. Are you willing to grow in it? Are you? Because I'm just going to tell you, it's going to get uncomfortable. And within you and I, we push against it all the time. There's a spiritual battle going on and we're entering Here we go. The battle begins. Let me pray. God, I I would just humbly and sincerely ask that you would help us as a people. Lord, that we would be more and more individuals that are all about being all about all of you. And in essence, the reality here is what we've been talking about is if we're to be all about you, then we know that you're all about loving people. And and if we're to be all about you and you're all about loving people, then uh, golly, it's clear. We need to be about loving people. Lord, in our culture, there is such a need for people who will get after loving other people genuinely and sincerely. And yet I realize when I talk about this, sometimes it's the questions just naturally go, well, how do I fit this into my life? I understand. But that's when I come back and I go, my burden is light. My yoke is easy. And sometimes we go like the Pharisees and the scribes and we make a whole structure of 613 when you just say do two. So Lord, I, I, I would genuinely pray, would, would you help us to, be, to get reprogrammed to your word and to grow in our understanding of what this can look like? Because God, I really believe with some very simple ways, some simple steps, some practical applications, I really believe that we can be a place that is getting after this call in a whole new way that would blow the doors off of the west side of Indianapolis. I'm not talking about getting busy. God, you've called us not to get busy. You've called us to love and to be effective at it.
So God, I would pray we would walk out of this auditorium this morning and genuinely try and love on someone. Genuinely. Before we get to a car. I pray lunch would be different as a result of us talking about we need to be people that love other people. Lunch just wouldn't be about my thing. Lunch would be an opportunity to be an encouragement and a lover of someone else. God, I pray tonight for those who go to small group tonight, I pray they would go to small group differently. That they would go to small group knowing that you've called them to go vertical together and they're going to go into small group genuinely trying to love on other people tonight. And Lord, I pray as we go into our jobs on Monday, that we would go into our jobs differently as a result of this conversation about the scriptures tell us that we're to be a love other people. And oh Lord, for those who right now have an enemy at work or someone who's mean or hard or maybe even in the home, oh God, may we love them like Christ. You've blessed us. May we take it and may we be it. We love you. Help us to love others. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.